0: And remember, quoting is for the weak. This is the Millionaire Insurance Producer Podcast. Well, what's up, Permission Nation? My name is Charles Specht, and I am so excited to be with you today for this first podcast episode where I'm getting ready to teach you all how to begin building a $1 million or more book of business, and we're gonna get right into it. So I'm excited, as I said, to be here. I've been speaking to so many people about getting this thing going, getting this thing started, talking to you about what it is that you wanna hear, what do you need to know, and frankly, we're even gonna spend a lot of time getting into the minds of the insurance buyer so that you can understand what the insurance buyer is looking for. Because at the end of the day, they want three things. Count them up. They want three things. The first thing your insurance buyer wants is they want to save time. The second thing they want is they definitely want to save some money. The third thing, which is the most important, is they want peace of mind. Save time, save money. Gain peace of mind. Give your prospects those three things, and you will be well on your way to building a $1 million or more book of business. As I said, my name is Charles Specht. I am the president and CEO of Permission Network Insurance Agency. I own my own agency, but I have zero employees, zero carrier appointments. I don't represent any carriers. I don't place any business. I have no policies. I don't take any commission. What I do is I work with insurance agents to actually help them become more successful. It's a lot more fun. It's a lot more exciting than having to uh, to actually put together apps and so forth. I love, personally, I love to be able to see the producers actually get that win, to be able to see that smile that they heard somebody say yes. But I not only do this working with insurance agents, I have another side to my consulting practice, which is a large portion of what I do. That side is constructive risk. Really, when I, and I'll get into the backstory here in just a minute, but when I left the brokerage side of selling insurance, I opened up a consulting company. I opened up a consulting company where I was being paid directly, hired directly, and paid directly by the insurance buyers, mostly construction companies. The construction company would hire me and pay me a fee to actually manage their entire insurance renewal process for them. Help them with loss control, help them with some safety, make sure their insurance agent or agents were doing the right thing. And when their policy came up for renewal, I would actually manage the program with them so that I would work with their agent and maybe even bring in any other agents who had something special to offer that particular client. And so at the end of the day, what I would do is I would just work with all of those people, making sure everybody was doing what they were supposed to be doing, going to the right carriers, making sure they were putting together the best submission, going to the underwriters. And then I would work on the negotiation. I would make sure at the end of the day that the insured got three main things, three main things. Can you guess what they are? Save time, save money, gain peace of mind. I want you to understand something, is that that particular consulting company, which I've had now for over 10 years, and it continues to thrive, I have uh, construction companies that hire me all the time to do this. It exists because the insurance buyer doesn't necessarily trust you. They don't trust you. Get over it. They don't trust you. They don't know how to make a decision about whether you are a good agent, a bad agent, or just completely average like everybody else. In fact, they probably already got an insurance agent. Why do they need you? And that's really the issue. They can't tell the difference between you and every other single insurance agent that are out there. If I was to bring in 10 different insurance agents and let you all give your pitch for 10 or 15 minutes to the insurance buyer, at the end they probably wouldn't really understand what makes you so different. What carriers do you have to offer? What services? Everybody says they have claims management. Really, what does that mean? Everybody says they have really good relationships with underwriters. What does that mean? They just don't know. And so as we really like dive into the future episodes here, there's one thing you're probably going to hear me say very often, and it is this. It is that your insurance buyer has the insurance mentality or insurance understanding, comprehension, of about a four-year-old child. They just don't even know what they don't know. They don't know what makes you different from every other agent. They don't know what makes one policy different from another. They don't know what is the difference between one asbestos exclusion and another. They just simply don't know. Ignorance is what they have. And so what is required then is that we provide some kind of level of assurance to them. And again, I'm telling you, they hire me as their insurance consultant because, listen, because they just don't know how to trust you. If you, as an insurance agent, could really get a grasp on this, why the prospect needs to needs to save time, needs to save money, and at the end of the day wants peace of mind. Once you begin to grasp those three things and your entire prospecting strategy, your messaging, your cold call, your email, your social media, your walk-ins, your networking, once you understand those main three things, your book of business is going to begin to skyrocket. Period. It's going to skyrocket because they are going to see you as the obvious choice. Of which agent to do business with help them save time help them save money but what is most important is peace of mind they want to know that at the end of the process they chose the right insurance agent they chose the right policy and in the event of servicing needs you're going to be there and actually help them accomplish what they want that if they ever have a claim it's going to be covered that the insurance adjuster is going to do a good job, and that they're not going to be left holding an empty bag with no coverage because you didn't actually do the right job. They want peace of mind. And I'm telling you, saving time, very important. Saving money, very important. But what is most important to your insurance buyer is peace of mind. You say, well, I don't know, Charles. Everybody says they want to save money. All my prospects say, you know, just save me some premium and I will give you the business. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, who wants to pay more for insurance? Nobody wants to pay more for insurance. But I just need you to understand that the insurance buyer has the mentality of insurance of about a four-year-old child. They don't know what they don't know. The only thing they do understand, the only thing they can comprehend, is how much they are writing a check every single month. They know how much things cost. That's about it. They don't know how to quantify how much time necessarily this is costing. They don't know how to quantify how much peace of mind they have or do not have. The only thing they can understand is when they look at the end of your proposal or at the beginning of it, whatever, wherever, wherever you put it in the proposal, the only thing they know is what's the bottom line number? This thing's $100,000. The next one's $112. I got one here for $98.5. That's all they really understand. And so they might tell you, I just want to save money. But how many times have you, as the incumbent agent, been more expensive than other quotes that have come in and yet still retain the business? I would suspect probably a lot because the industry statistic out there is 92% of the time. Whoever's the incumbent agent retains their client 92% of the time. You might be more expensive but you retain the business because it's a lot easier just to stay with who you have than to go with an unknown entity, a different insurance provider, a different agent, a different agency staff, a different carrier that you're not familiar with. So if I was to switch that then not no longer being the incumbent agent, but now you're a competing agent. The again, the incumbent agent keeps their business 92% of the time on average in commercial business. And so you've got about an 8% shot. But you will always hear your prospects say, "Oh, well, I want to save some money. If you can save me money, I will do business with you. But I know because I have been a producer for about 10 years prior to being an insurance consultant. I know just like you, that there have been plenty of times where insurance agents, competing agents come in and we are less expensive, sometimes significantly. So we are less expensive, but we do not get the business. Why? Because they told us that they wanted to save a lot of money but when it came to actually making the decision, what was most important? What was most important was peace of mind. It's just a lot easier to stay with who you have. And so when it comes down to prospecting, when it comes down to sitting face-to-face with that prospect in their office, you need to get really good at uncovering the pains, figuring out the problems that they have? Where is the other agent dropping the ball? And then you need to have, as we're going to talk about a whole lot into the future, you need to have a very good understanding of a timeline of services based upon the micro niche so that the insured will begin to see that you are the obvious choice of which agent should be representing them to the marketplace. Hands down, my clients who put together a timeline of service That shows the insured exactly what you're going to do for them over the course of a 12-month period, which shows exact dates on when you're going to provide these things. Those timelines of services are the things that I hear, hands down, from my clients that get them more signed broker of record letters than anything. Anything. If you get a very good dialed-in timeline of services that represents the micro niche that you're going after, it's almost like you're writing yourself a blank check. You're going to take that to the bank. You're going to be able to build your book of business to a million dollars or more if you can get the insured to realize that you are the more obvious choice of which agent to represent them. Again, that timeline should save them time. That timeline should save them money. And when they're finished looking at that timeline, they're going to say, this is exactly what I've been looking for my whole life. Peace of mind, baby. That's all they want. They want to have that peace of mind. And so let me tell you, I started in the insurance business back in the year 2000. I had a buddy who was in the business and I had made a switch, uh, moved to a different part of California right after my first son was born. And I was trying to figure out what I was going to do with my life. I was thinking about coaching baseball. I was in sports and athletics my whole life. I was on scholarship for baseball in college. Just loved playing sports. I thought, you know what? I'm going to go uh, to high school, be a teacher, and be a coach. And so I went and I started going through that process. And you know, as I did a, a number of uh, days of being like a substitute teacher and going through it, I thought, you know what? I really don't want to do this. I like the idea of coaching. I just don't like the idea of being an actual uh, high school teacher wasn't something that I think, frankly, I had a whole lot of passion for. I had the passion for the coaching side, had a passion for the athletics. I just didn't have a passion for being a high school teacher. It's a tough job they've got. And I just didn't want to do that. I just didn't feel that was my calling. Well, my friend was um, in the insurance business for a few years and I was newly married um, about a year and a half. My son now was just born and I thought, well, I have to put food on the table. I'd be able to pay the electric bill and all that. So I need a job. So uh, he got me an interview with a very good, reputable regional agency here in California, up in Northern California. Great agency, a lot of good people, really good reputation, so forth. And so I got hired there. Um, I worked for a, a smaller profit center for that agency in a smaller city. And so I did what every other agent actually does typically when they go to an insurance agency, is they tend to write the same kind of business or the same types of clients that everybody else in that agency is writing. And so what I did was I went after small subcontractors um, who are throughout the state and that were in a number of different industries like drywall and plumbing and masonry and roofing and framing and concrete and so forth. I wrote subcontractors. That's what I did typically smaller ones. Um, I love to prospect. I absolutely love to hear the word yes. I love to hear the word yes. I love to hear the word yes because I know that when I hear the word yes, that means that they have said no to the incumbent and that they have chosen to actually begin doing business with me. And so I love prospecting. I love being able to meet with people. I love being able to talk to people. And so you know what? I was just a prospecting machine. I mean, I didn't even know what I didn't know. I was just learning and still fairly new or green when it comes to sales, certainly outside sales, but I was just out prospecting, right? Made a ton of mistakes, but I had some decent success as well. I ended up writing about 135000 in new business um, in that first year. Um, and it was something like 30, 35, I think it was about 30 or so different clients. So I got about 30 clients in that first year, about $135,000. It ended up being something like, just trying to remember off the top of my head, but I think it was something like four or $4,000 of total commission for each particular client. So that would be general liability, workers' compensation, auto, property, umbrella, all of that for your property and casualty policies. So very good um, success for that particular agency. But that agency in that particular profit center was kind of having some issues. The uh, leadership was, they lived far away. And so it was just kind of becoming a little bit of a problem. And I didn't really foresee how I was going to be able to have the success that I wanted and make the kind of money into the future that I wanted because I started looking at, okay, here's what I had. I had good success. I made 135 grand of revenue, but I brought on 30 clients. If I have to do that again, that'll be 60 clients. That'll put me at around like 260 if I have to do that again, that means I'm going to have 90 clients. Uh, Then I'm going to have 120 clients. And I began to realize that I just can't continue down that particular road because I'm not going to get to the amount of money that I want to make per year where that I know that I'm going to be really, really happy. It It wasn't the kind of success that I was looking for. But I was so green in the insurance business. I didn't even know, again, didn't know what I didn't know. And so I I decided that I needed to make a switch from that agency to a different agency because I saw just a little bit of the writing on the wall with what was happening in that particular profit center. And I knew that it was time to make a switch. And even you know, to this day, that particular profit center doesn't have um, salespeople any longer, just a pure servicing staff. You know, so I feel that I did make the right choice overall. I went then to work for a larger alphabet house, okay? Really good agency, great people, I think really good leadership. Um, Just a completely different feel. Definitely more corporate, um, publicly traded insurance agency, and just a good agency, a good company, really good people. Um, When I went to work for them, however, they didn't tell me something about what's called a what I refer to as a minimum revenue threshold. The minimum revenue threshold is basically how much money that account has to bring in before they're going to pay you any money. So once I had already like interviewed with them three or four times, I finally you know, accepted the job at the location that I wanted, signed the dotted line. They said, Charles, we're, we're grateful to have you here. And one of the main reasons why you're here is because we really appreciate the effort, uh, the productivity you had in the prospecting. The problem, however, is that the size of the accounts that you were going after really don't fit what we're trying to do here. And so we wouldn't even pay you for the vast majority of those clients that you wrote. In fact, they told me at that time that the minimum revenue threshold was about $5,000, even though it kind of like wasn't necessarily um, a written thing. They just said, you know, we don't really pay our insurance producers for anything less than $5,000 of revenue. Um, I think even like today, it's up to $10,000 for that particular agency. Um, The minimum revenue threshold, it really then forces you to go after larger accounts because that particular agency, they really prided themselves on on offering a level of service that many other agencies couldn't provide, services that other agencies couldn't provide. For example, they had attorneys on staff. Right, attorneys in the agency, that they could review contracts, actual claims management department, multiple people, that all they do are claims. Right? It wasn't that just we can offer claims management that maybe our account manager can contact the adjuster, which is what many insurance agencies do. They actually had a full-blown department that provided those types of services. And so because of that, they simply couldn't provide those services to smaller accounts. They really were focused on the larger account. And so they said, Charles, You need to start really doubling, if not tripling, the size of the account that you go after. Are you a local insurance agent struggling to find markets for your clients? Look no further than Nationwide Brokerage Solutions. So, man, I was at that time twenty-four years old. I looked like I was about seventeen. I looked like I was about seventeen, and I had about a year of insurance, a, insurance uh, selling, the insurance industry under my belt at that time. I mean, I was still so green. Twenty-four years old, looked like I was seventeen, barely, you know, could understand, you know, what all the exclusions were on a normal general liability policy, and. They were like, you need to go out and write significantly larger accounts. And I just thought, man, this is not going to work. I am not going to be able to succeed here. This is not going to work. Um, I really began to second guess myself. I began to question myself. I didn't think, there, I didn't think this was going to work out. Um, but I decided, you know what? I'm just going to give it my best shot. I'm going all in. And if it doesn't work out, you know, six, seven months from now, fine, I'll be able to go to another agency that's a better fit for me. But I thought, but I'm going to give this a shot. And so I really went for about two weeks. I went for about two weeks and I was just trying to find out as much information about the agency that I could, all the carriers that they represented, all the kind of the main practice groups and the types of businesses that they go after, what made some agents actually very successful versus other agents. We're going to talk about micro niching in a little bit, but man, it, it, there is is a significant difference between an agent who knows what he or she is good at and doesn't do things that they're not good at. Let me just tell you, there's a significant difference in the professionalism as well as the built wealth of those who really focus on what they're good at. But I decided that I was going to continue doing construction, continue to do subcontractors because that's what I knew. I wasn't going to go after generals. I wasn't going to go after prime. I wasn't going to go after real estate or things like that. I was going to do construction. I was going to do subcontractors, but I just decided that I was going to have to go after significantly larger ones. I was going to go after the same industries, drywall, concrete, plumbing, all that, really just focused on subcontractors. But I decided that, okay, the first policy that I ever write is going to have to be $20,000 of revenue. That is commission and fees. So the first policy that I write for an insured is going to have to be that amount. Now, again, let me just remind you, I did not think this was going to work I just decided to go big. I just decided to really go big and see, you know what? I'm going to give it my best shot. If it works out, great. If it doesn't work out, that's okay. I can go somewhere else. You know, I was still fairly young. I knew that I could find a, another place, even if it wasn't in the insurance industry. But I just decided I'm going to go big. So I was basically prospecting the same way. Essentially, prospecting even with the same carriers, the same programs. I didn't even have to change my relationships with my underwriters for the most part. I just went after bigger accounts. So instead of those, excuse me, those subcontractors that had a million dollars of annual gross sales, I was going after subs that had eight million dollars of annual gross sales. That was it. They just had more vehicles, they just had more property, they had more tools, they had more employees. So the premiums were significantly higher. Everything was still the same, the pitch, the carriers, the relationship with the underwriters. Everything was still the same. I just decided that I'm going after bigger ones. Now, again, I looked like I was about 17, had only about a year under my belt, was brand new, didn't even really understand all the ins and outs of the agency where I was at. But it actually went really, really well. For that first year when I finished at that that second agency where I was at, um, I did about $360,000 of revenue in that first year, again, so that is commission plus fees. I only did something like, I think, 15 or 16 different clients. So I had half the amount of clients that I wrote that year compared to what I wrote at my first agency. Remember, my first agency, I wrote 30. Here at the second one, about in the second year into it, I wrote 15 clients, so half the number of clients. My, my first agency, I did about 135000 in revenue. but. I did about 360000 at the second one. What was the difference? Just the size of the account. I want to tell you that as we get into so many different episodes in the future, I pray that you take that to heart. I hope that you understand that you don't really have to change much of what you're doing. We're going to definitely refine some of the the loose uh, ties, the loose edges, the the rough edges that you've got. But if you do nothing else other than go after larger accounts, you are going to make more money. And so I did 360000 that year, did 15 clients continued to have success for about the next six or seven years, continued to work at that agency. I built my book up to about $1.1 million in annual gross uh, revenues. That is predominantly commission. So about $1.1 million in gross commission before my splits. So I was actually you know, having some pretty good success, really enjoyed what I was doing, but I just decided that you know I wanted to do something also a little bit different in life. As a Christian, I wanted to be involved more in ministry. Um, I wanted to even be in more of a pastoral ministry. I wanted to be preaching. I wanted to be teaching. I wanted to be involved in the church just a whole lot more than I was because I was forced to be you know, in business, for example. So I decided that I didn't want to get out of insurance. I really loved what I was doing. I really loved you know, just the, uh, the competition of it. I loved the prospecting of it. I loved being able to, to meet different people and you know just be involved in the insurance business. So I didn't want to leave it. But at the same time, I knew that I couldn't necessarily do what I wanted to do in regards to ministry if I continued down that path of being a producer. So made a big decision in life. The big decision in life was to no longer be a producer, to leave, to get out of the, this, the production side of it, and then open a consulting company. And so when I opened up my consulting company, I decided that I was going to continue to do the same kind of thing that I was doing, but I was just going to now work with the insurance buyer as their 100% wholly unbiased service provider that gave them understanding that they couldn't figure out for themselves. In other words, because I as because I would come in as a a consultant that was fee-based where they paid me and I didn't have any kickbacks or commissions from any carriers or agents, the advice that I gave to them, the recommendations that I gave to them were 100% unbiased. And so they had peace of mind. So they were willing to pay me 5000 6000 15000 whatever my fee was for the size of their account. They were willing to pay me that because I gave them the peace of mind at the end of the day. They knew then that what I was providing was simply valuable. And so I continued to do that. I continue to do it even today. I did it for about three years. and was having good success. But one of the things I began to realize as I was working with all of these different construction companies and even had some manufacturing and just different nursing homes and so forth, but predominantly construction, I began working with a lot of these incumbent agents. And I began working with a lot of other competing agents who would contact you know, my client and say, hey, we want to offer a quote. And so my client would then say, go talk to Charles. And so I would be again speaking to all of these different dozens and hundreds of different insurance agents. And I began realizing that, man, they have no idea what they're doing. <laughs> they, they have no idea what they're saying to these insurance buyers. And What I noticed that over the course of those three or so years as I was doing just the consulting, I began to realize a lot more about what it was like to be in the head of the insurance buyer. I was now sitting on their side of the table and seeing, like, what goes through their mind when they're trying to figure out which agent to work with, what goes through their mind when they're trying to figure out what proposal, and what goes through their mind when they're trying to figure out should they let this agent give them a quote or maybe one of the other 200 agents who are calling them 90 days before their their renewal. And so I began just sitting on their side of the table and began to realize this is what the insured wants. They would like to have trust in one agent. They would like to be able to just trust one because, look... If an insurance buyer has to bring in multiple agents, if they have to bring in a second agent, they've now doubled the amount of things they have to do extra meetings, filling out more Accord apps, maybe doing uh, you know loss control visits with other loss control people from all these carriers that come in. If they bring in a third agent to offer quotes, they're now having to triple the amount of meetings they have to meet with, more applications, and so forth. And now they have so much information to look through. So look, they just wanted someone to help them save time. And so most of these insurance agents were contacting the insurance buyer and saying, look, I'd love to be able to you know sit down, learn a little bit more about your company, what it is that you're doing, and maybe we'll go and get some quotes for you and see if we can save you some money. Not the right message. Not the right message. And so as I was doing this for a while, I had um, I had a large agency down in the San Diego, California area um, contact me and say, you know what, we're really interested about what you do and so forth, and we, just, we would like for you to come and teach us about what the insurance buyer is looking for and kind of train us on this. And I thought, well, it's, it's kind of outside of what I normally do. Um, but they were willing to pay me about $50,000 just to train them for a six-month period. And I thought, I can swing it. Let's do it. I'll definitely help you guys out. So I began training that agency, and it was a decent agency, a very large agency. And I just began to realize that, man, there's a hole here. There's a huge hole in regards to what I would consider sophisticated sales training that goes deep into the mind of the insured. There's a lot of superficial training out there. There's a lot of policy language training that's out there, which is good. Not knocking it. It's great. Got to know what you're t- You better know what you're selling. It's just not how you sell. So I began to realize that there's a need here. And so I began to make a little bit of a pivot began then working with insurance agents, began then working with them one-on-one, had a number of agencies who continued to you know, bring me on um, to as a retainer and to work with more of their agents. And so I just began serving then even as a contract chief sales officer. I've worked with dozens and dozens of agencies all around the country and in Canada, and I work with lots of individual insurance agents who who hire me and pay me out of their own pocket because their agency doesn't have the budget for it or, frankly, is just too tight and unwilling to actually invest in their producer so they pay for it out of their own pockets. But there's just not really good sales training out there. I think it's changing. I think things are getting a little bit better. But, man, there's still a huge gap in actual sales training that works. And so what I began doing is focusing on the broker of record letter. Brokerofrecordletter.com. Go there if you haven't been there. Brokerofrecordletter.com. I focus on working with insurance agents to help them get more broker of record letters. You want to know why? Because that's what my client, the contractor, wants. They want to be able to pick one agent. I don't focus on the broker of record letter just because I think it's an awesome, interesting way in which to prospect. No. I focus on the broker of record letter because it's what the prospect wants. They don't want to have to go through a quoting process. Imagine if they have to get quotes from three different agents and if they have multiple policies that renew throughout the year, employee health benefits, general liability and so forth, their property and casualty. What if their workers' compensation renews on a different day? You know how much time they waste getting quotes from multiple agents that they don't know, like, or trust yet? Huge waste of time. And so my focus is on the broker of record letter, not just because it's smart, Not merely because it's wise, but mainly because it's what the insured wants. They want to be able to pick one that they trust. And so that's what I do. I help insurance agents build a $1 million or more book of business through signed broker of record letters. If you, were, if you weren't paying attention, let me say it again. I help insurance agents build a $1 million or more book of business through signed broker of record letters. I introduce the insurance buyer to their new insurance agent, and the difference, what is tying those two together, is a signed piece of paper that gives you permission that's why I named my company Permission Network Insurance Agency because that's what you need, the insured's permission to exclusively represent them in the marketplace. You get the insured's signature on a signed broker of record letter, you're winning. You're winning. You're winning. The broker of record letter is the fastest, smartest, most ethical approach to building a $1 million or more book of business. And I really hope you can get some more of them because that's what I teach insurance agents to do. And so as I even begin bringing this first episode to a close, I'm excited about what the future has to offer. We're going to be talking about the importance of no longer offering quotes to non-clients. Just stop that nonsense. Stop throwing mud against the wall to see what sticks. Why? Because you're in the insurance business. You're not in the chicken business. Chicken business, those are the people who wing it. Get it? They're just out there winging it. That's the chicken business. We're here in the insurance business, and we provide services, and we provide those services, if you will, to insurance buyers who pay for our services. So stop offering quotes to non-clients. The second thing we're going to talk about a lot is developing a micro-niche. Look, insurance buyers are looking for insurance agents who are in their industry that just also happen to understand insurance. They're looking, for example, a plumber is looking for an insurance agent who's in the plumbing industry who just happens to understand insurance really well. Okay, Developing a micro niche is one of the greatest ways in which the, you to get the insured to understand that you are a better choice. The third thing we're going to talk a lot about is that timeline of services. And if you don't have one yet, you better hurry up and get one. I help you get those. I help my clients get them. I'm going to be putting out some more content to actually show you how to get those. So be on the lookout. The timeline of services is what's going to get you more uh, clients going forward. And finally, the fourth fourth thing, main thing, target signed broker of record letters. You do that, and you will be winning. You will build a $1 million or more book of business if your focus is on the signed broker of record letter. I can't even begin to tell you how excited I am that you're gonna walk down this journey with me as we go and we begin focusing on how to make you more successful, to write more business, to make more money, to experience more joy out of your life because you're just getting more clients, you're saving more time, you're not wasting time, you're actually winning. It's amazing how exciting the insurance business is. I really feel that the insurance business, probably one of the best kept secrets in the entire business community. I really do. And I'm excited to walk down this journey with you. So as I bring this to a close, my name is Charles Specht. I'm the president and CEO of Permission Network Insurance Agency, where I help insurance agents build a $1 million or more book of business through signed broker of record letters. Thanks for listening today to... The Millionaire Insurance Producer Podcast.